What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Roll for Persuasion, the D&D tabletop gaming podcast where I, your host, Andrew Richardson, go out into the community and I find awesome people who are doing awesome things and I talk to them about the awesome things that they are doing. We have a really cool show coming up. Let's jump through some business first. First of all, thank you for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you are an Apple user, if you have a family member who's an Apple user, if you uh, go to the Apple store on occasion, um, you know, if your friend right next to you right now has an iPhone, grab that, hop on the podcast app and make sure you leave us a review because those are super helpful to us getting out and making sure people hear the show. Definitely appreciate those reviews. Also, podchaser.com. If you don't have an Apple device, even if you do, Podchaser is another great place to go and leave the show reviews. We appreciate the subscriptions. We appreciate the reviews. They make a big difference. So thank you. You can, of course, support the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. Uh, it is a great way to help us directly with the production costs and hosting and all of the fun stuff that goes along with making the show each and every week. Uh, you do get access to some cool benefits, one of which is to submit questions for guests. Um, you also get access to the special Zone of Truth segment at the end of every episode, where uh, me and my guests just kind of shoot the shit and talk about whatever we happen to feel like. We've talked about all sorts of things, and I never know what it's going to be because I intentionally don't plan it until it's time to do it. So uh, yeah, it's always fun, always special, and you get access to that if you are a Patreon backer. So patreon.com slash persuasion is a place to go and support the show. Two more great ways to support the show is by uh, spending your dollars with our sponsors because those dollars help us. But they're also really cool sponsors. We have a new one this week that I'm excited to talk about, awesomedice.com. They recently sent me several different sets of dice. Go to my Instagram or my Twitter, both of those, at Roll Persuasion, to check out some of the photos of the cool dice I got. And, uh, and yeah, they have super awesome dice. If you want uh, precious gem dice, if you want stone dice, metal dice, plastic dice, whatever you're into, they've got dice for you. Awesomedice.com. And you can use my code ROLLPERSUASION for 10% off. That helps you. That helps the show. Everybody wins and you get awesome dice. So you win like twice. So good for you. And of course, if you get awesome dice, you need an awesome place to store them. You guys know by now how much I love Talon and Claw. Anthony over at Talon and Claw makes the coolest coolest dice vaults, uh, dice accessories, DM screens. If you are a DM and you want to step up your game uh, from behind a custom hardwood, badass-looking DM screen, check out talonandclaw.etsy.com to see all the cool stuff Anthony is cooking up in his workshop over there on the West Coast. He makes some seriously cool stuff. I have one of his dice vaults. Uh, Lucia, do you, do you use dice vaults? Are you a, are you a dice vault person? Uh, I have I have a box, but I try and keep my dice box collection down since I have so many <laughs> random dice sets all over the place. So I usually keep mine in glass jars. Oh, there see that that's clever. Well, if you ever want one, let me know. D, uh, hit me up on on Twitter, and I'll get them to send one out to you because they make some some really cool stuff. Heck yeah, I love their stuff. Yeah. But for the rest of you all who uh, are not guests of my show, but maybe you will be one day. But if right now, you can go to talentandclaw.etsy.com. You can uh, use my code again, Roll Persuasion, get 10% off, check out some of the cool stuff they have. Uh, I am really excited about some of the stuff they're doing with Purple Heart because that purple wood looks pretty badass. So as you just heard, the voice of my guest this week at Searsword on Twitter, Lucia, what is going on? Hi. Um, oh man, a lot is going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it seems like it just based on the the different things 
you are involved in and you uh, you have going on in the D and D community. Give us yeah. a quick kind of like like breakdown. What are uh, what all are you involved in right now? Uh, well, right now my two biggest things are I make a lot of accessories for gaming related to gaming. Um, my main thing is dice. I've been hand making dice for a little over a year now, and I'm just kind of dipping my toes into manufacturing dice. So that's been a new journey. And then I'm also a lead director uh, and started the book Sina Una, which is a 5e supplement based on pre-colonial Philippines uh, for your games. So so two two very cool things there. We will dive into both of them. Let's actually, let's go right into Sina Una right now. So so what is that? What was the, the concept for it? You had a very successful... Uh, uh, crowdfunding campaign for it that I think completed just a couple months ago, right? It was uh, it was just yes. in the past few months that you guys fully funded. You exceeded your goal. Um, so, what is that book? What is that all about? How did it come to be? Um, so, Sina Una was um, something that I, within the past couple of years, I actually um, before I was working this job, I was working with uh, my mother, who was opening her own Filipino restaurant and kind of getting back involved with my own culture through that um, and then ended up finding one day there was a art piece of a um, pre-colonial uh, deity for the Philippines and I was like oh I didn't even realize that we had a pre-existing pantheon and so I kind of went down this rabbit hole of all of these different uh, mythologies that existed before we were colonized and it was really cool to kind of feel like we had that um, and I had never even known about it. So not only was it me being a ginormous nerd and seeing all these different monsters and being like, oh, I should put these in my D&D games and then realizing that nobody else was really doing it and nobody who was doing it was getting the kind of recognition that I wanted to bring to it. Um, and also being Filipino myself, I wanted to give a spotlight to other Filipino creators and writers and artists. So it's been a huge project. We have a ton of people on it. Um, all of them are Filipino and it's been really cool to kind of connect with both communities, um, the D&D community or the TTRPG community and also my Filipino community. So for sure. That, that's kind of where awesome. that came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and now it is, uh, like I said, it, it is fully funded. I assume you guys are, are busy kind of working on fleshing out that whole setting, uh, so you can deliver it to backers, right? Yeah. So, um, and we actually, are sorry, real quick question. Sorry. Uh, is your mic, can your mic pull down on your headset by any chance? Is it, uh, is it louder this way? It's a little bit clearer like that. Is that a problem? Okay. No. Okay. No, no, no. Cool, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask the question again. Sorry, I just realized it was it was a little echoey, but that's a lot better. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask the question to lead you in. Um, yeah, so so you guys are on the middle of of really like the production and, and putting putting the book together. Kind of where are you at in that process? Yeah. So um, my main thing right now is I'm kind of just keeping tabs on everybody, but I mainly am working with artists, whereas um, my partner in crime, uh, Joshua, or HTT Paladin online, he's doing a lot of the writing. And we're also working with Mackenzie, who is like a, you know, pretty big icon in the 
community and especially for me being Filipino as well. Um, I've seen her work, you know, with Matt Coville before and things like that. So um, we're in the middle of writing everything. Um, one of our uh, campaign goals was that um, we wanted to be able to really pay our writers a fair wage. And that was why the transcript wasn't done before we funded like a lot of people do. Um, I wanted to give people the opportunity to write and to be paid for their writing. So that's yeah. been really cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So, so you mentioned kind of, like you said, discovering, if you will, the uh, almost really the existing pantheon and, and kind of legends, um, you know, from the F Filipino culture. What are some things, you know, some monsters or, or some stories or, or narratives that really jumped out at you when you were learning about all that, that you were like, oh man, I want to put this into a D&D game? Oh man. Um, I would say the one that really uh, caught my eye when I was first kind of diving into it and that we have a lot of talks about with the whole team is um, our version of kind of a vampire creature. They're called, um, they're called the Manamangals and they're basically these women who separate half of their body, like their torso from their legs. Uh, and they sprout these like giant bat-like wings and they go around and they fly and they eat people at night. And the only way to banish them essentially is to find their legs wherever they left them and salt them or, you know, get rid of them so that they have nothing to return to when the sun comes up. So <laughs> that was the one that I was like, that's really interesting. Just like half a woman flying around. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the perfect D&D quest too. Like, okay, so now you have to go find the legs and you're being attacked yeah. the whole time. 100%. That's so awesome. So so what has the process been like for you? I mean, producing any sort of D&D content is is a lot of work. But producing yeah. like a full setting, I mean, um, I assume you guys are, are you know, going over like geography and, and you know, obviously the history and, and kind of fantasy elements of that um, mechanics, I assume. What has that whole process been like? Um, it's been, it's been a journey, you know, we, we wanted to pull from a lot of different cultures from the Philippines pre-colonially because, um, before we were colonized, it was basically like every island was almost its own culture, its own little world essentially. And so we've been taking influences from all these different, uh, communities and, uh, you know, different cultures so that we can kind of mix and match them into um, fusing with the kind of classical ideas of fantasy, you know, like we have our giant city that you can explore and then we're pulling from Visaya, we're pulling from um, just all these different places and different people so that it all feels like it melds well together while still not erasing that part of it. So it's, it's been a journey to kind of try and be respectful and separate, you know, can I say this or can I use this in a way that doesn't really go too far away from the history, but also is enough to where anybody feels like they can play it or they can run it. That's awesome. And, and what has the, uh, what has kind of the reception been like uh, within the Filipino community? Um, for kind of the work that you're doing. I mean, I, I saw a lot on Twitter when you guys were first putting it out and it, and it was, it was super cool to kind of see the outpouring of, of support that I at least observed, but what has it been like for you to kind of hear feedback from people? It's been 
it's been pretty good. You know, um, I feel like for myself and a lot of Filipinos actually on the team, you know, a lot of us were like, I had no idea that this existed. I had no idea that this is how we operated. And so for a lot of us, it's been like, we're so um, involved with the TTRPG stuff that it's, it's almost like a way to connect back to things that we didn't even realize we had connections to. Um, so, you know, for me, I had always kind of felt like maybe I'm not Filipino enough or maybe like, you know, because I didn't, I wasn't born there. I wasn't raised there. I don't know it. It's like, it's a way to kind of feel like you're justifying who you are, but in a different kind of way. So it's been, it's been an outpouring of love from the community so far. Um, and it's been really cool as well to see other people of other heritages be like, I want to do this for, you know, my culture, for my country. And I'm just like, that makes me beam to think that it's inspiring for people in that way. Yeah, that's, that's so great because like, because as a white person, like my <laughs> culture or lack thereof has like dominated the narrative for all time essentially. Right. And, and mm. you know, it, it sucks, um, in many ways. And, and so as someone who, who, who loves the world, loves what the world has to offer, just like, you know, being back and sitting back and getting to see, I mean, obviously there's, there's so much, I don't know about every other culture. And I love the idea that the D and D can be used to bring those things to the forefront and, and educate and share and, and kind of tell stories and help that stuff live on um, that, you know, stories that maybe haven't been told for a long time or been told outside yeah. of communities. Um, that I know that there are some other people who are doing really great work with some, uh, you know, indigenous African, like tribal histories and stories and, and mythologies. And there's just so much richness in, in culture and in the world that, that really, you know, it's, it's kind of quite, quite, quite frankly, like time that we spend a little less time with dragons. We spend a little more time with cool women who separate their bodies in half. And like, right. like <laughs> there's so much out there beyond yeah. dwarves and elves and, and the stereotypical stuff. And, and that's yeah. awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. And you know, that's been one thing for us too, that we've kind of been struggling with is like, because it's the Philippines finding sources for any of this stuff is so difficult like here right like you can find this book and it has like all the information you need but it like sells on ebay for 500 dollars. Oh whereas if you go over to the philippines they sell it for you know 20 bucks on the street and we're right. like oh my gosh <laughs> so it's kind of like for us at least we're kind of thinking of it as you know this is like a dnd based book it is like 5e compatible and everything but also these are things that you know my older family had no idea about so i can pass this on and be like this is kind of a history book this is kind yeah. of a curated mythology for people to read and for people to to learn and feel like you know it couldn't it did, it doesn't have to be just for D D. it can be just to learn about the philippines because like i said we had no idea and to kind of pull all of it and comb through all of it is a task. And like, it's been 
it's been a struggle for the team, but it's been something that we're super proud of to be able to be like, I can give this to my, you know, my grandma, my Lola, and say, these are all of the things from the Philippines. And, you know, yeah, this is for D&D, but also like, this is a history book. <laughs> yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I talk a lot, especially to people who've never played D&D before. I talk about it as like one of the the best avenues for storytelling that, that I've ever mm-hmm. experienced. And so it's a, it's that cool melding of, you know, the, the hundreds and thousands of years ago of, of the oral tradition of telling history and keeping stories right. alive and doing it in a modern way, which now is, is a tabletop game. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's so, that's so cool that, that that's something that you guys are um, not only interested in doing, but you have actually taken the initiative on you've you've proved the desire for it right by raising the funding for it and now you're you're making this cool thing you're going to put into the world yeah it's um it's definitely one of those things where you know like you were talking about with the oral tradition that's also why a lot of the mythology has kind of gone unknown about because like finding records for it is like you have to ask somebody from this town who has to ask somebody from this town and like yeah it goes back past thousands of years so that's it's really cool to kind of be like yeah these are the stories that they used to tell and now these are the stories that we're telling but also i'm an elf rogue (laughs) (laughs) right right so and and speaking of mechanics because we know that D players do love their mechanics you guys are are working on um, multiple different subclasses in the game right Yes, so we have um, every class will get a subclass that's based around, um, like I said, different ties uh, to the culture. And then we're also going to have two new classes, entirely new classes um, of the headhunter and the babaylan. One of them being um, a very like spiritually inclined, uh, fierce warrior kind of type. Um, and then the babaylan being the more um soothsayer spirit commune with uh kind of player if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure um and and where can people go i i know that your 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 funding your indiegogo has ended right um but where can people go if they want to learn more about it now or even purchase it once it becomes available um, we're still working on pre-order stuff. It's kind of like in the backlog right now because we're trying to get a couple of other things sorted out. So we're hoping to have pre-orders for the book closer to when it's released for everybody, um, just to make it easier on the team and myself. Um, but as far as information on it, the best place is to find it either on the Indiegogo campaign. You can still view it even though it's been funded or um, I'll update semi-regularly on Twitter. And then uh, my friend or or co-director, as I mentioned earlier, um, HTT Paladin on Twitter does these wonderful threads about all of the information, uh, all the cool stuff that's going in there. He's a better writer than me, so he does all of that. Awesome. And and when are you expecting, or or maybe I should say hoping, to be able to, to have the public release? Uh, we are hoping for September of this year, as long as everything goes well. There's kind of been some holds up with stuff that's happen- that has to happen internationally, with um, China kind of shutting down everything. Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've 
contacted plenty of people over there and they're all like, we're so sorry for the holdup. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to feel sorry. I just want you to stay healthy. Yeah. And safe. (laughs) please don't worry about it. So it's just one of those things where hopefully as long as everything aligns, we're hoping for September. Yeah. um, And that's just kind of where we are. Well, well, we'll keep an eye out for the fall. Let's uh, let's jump tracks really quick um, and talk about dice making because okay. this, yeah, I know. <laughs> let's, let's totally 180 um, because it's one of those things that one. By the way, your your dice are are beautiful. I was looking them uh, looking at them online earlier, and if you guys want to check them out, it's seersword.com, s e e r s w o r d dot com, and and just really beautiful dice. And I say that there are a lot of people making dice these days uh, and some look better than others, but these look awesome. So <laughs> how did, how did you get into, into actually making dice? Um, well, Seer Sword actually started off uh, at, under a different name, which was Monstrous Incantation. I went under that name for almost a year and then I changed it because um, nobody knew how to pronounce it or spell it, which was totally my fault, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was really long. So uh, we switched over to Seer Sword, but it uh, started out as um, I was doing jewelry based off of different influences from D&D. Um, uh, Cause I felt like there was kind of a lack of femininity in the gaming space. And I really wanted more uh, feminine, feminine women or feminine identity uh, people to feel more included. Um, So I started off making jewelry and then I was about to start my second campaign after finishing up a two year long one. And I really wanted dice with like, little skulls in them because I was like that'd be so cool and I was like well I'm a sculptor I've worked with resin before let's try it and the rabbit hole continues (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's I've definitely I have a dice problem um so I've reached that (laughs) point where I'm like maybe I should just like like it's for anyone who's ever gotten into something like homebrewing or 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 something like that where you're like you know what I might as well just start making my own um yeah and and so there seems to be a lot of great resources online like on YouTube or whatnot where people can can learn and get into it what was the what was the process like for you kind of figuring out your own production um well when I started there were really only a couple of us like there was me uh Greenleaf Geek um Shop Not Destiny like there were only a couple of people who were hand making dice uh the way that we do it with resin um so resources were kind of slim like you kind of had to like pick and choose tutorials with resin crafting or you know I really got a lot of information from people who make river tables. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and just like a lot of the sources were kind of sparse, especially for dice making. Whereas I feel like now you can go on YouTube, there's groups on Facebook, you can go on Twitter and kind of like ascertain all the information, but starting off, it was slim pickings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot of like trial and error and kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Huh? Um, cause you know, people have all their different techniques. They have all their different setups. And I remember like when I was starting, it was like, oh, you have a one tiny bubble where it's soft, but the rest of the die is hard. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't really out, like, yeah. 
yeah, there wasn't really like solutions out there. Whereas now you can like ask some people and you'll get an answer in five seconds. And I'm like, man, <laughs> but it's really cool to see what people come up with nowadays. Yeah. And so you said you, you just finished up like a two year campaign. How long have you been, uh, been playing D and D for? Um, I started, let's see, three years ago, a little over three years ago. Um, I had my boyfriend at the time, my husband now was, uh, in a group and they were looking for another player. And I was like, well, I've never played before. So could I could just come and watch? Cause I'm, I'm a very visual kind of hands-on person. I don't really, I don't really read books and then ascertain everything. Sure. Um, but because I was somebody's girlfriend and possibly a couple of other reasons, but they were like, no, we don't want you to come and <laughs> watch like, ew. So I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I had played a game before with uh, my uncle when I was like 13, but I barely remembered it. Um, and it ended up being that another friend of mine actually reached out and was like, hey, would you want to play D&D? And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'd be a good player. I don't do well in teams. How about I just dungeon master <laughs> <laughs> and threw myself into the deep end. Um, I learned how to play from, I picked up all the books from Barnes and Nobles. My parents helped me pay for them. Uh, and then I read through all of them in like a week. And then I was like, okay, well, none of that really makes sense to me. So I started watching people play online yeah. and then I was like, okay, now I get it. Um, so Critical Role kind of taught me how to Dungeon Master and uh, a couple of others. Uh, I forget who off the top of my head, but um, a couple of other people I watched play and then I was, it was still kind of weird because everybody that I was watching, all of the Dungeon Masters were guys and i was like yeah, sure. oh maybe this isn't the space for me uh <laughs> and then i actually stumbled into uh satine phoenix's gm tips videos yeah. and i was like oh you know what she can do it i mean i can do it so i started that group and i've been playing ever since <laughs> yeah that's awesome we had uh satine on last week or two weeks ago depending on when i published this episode um, yeah but yeah that was that was cool hearing from her because she's been playing for forever and it's very important to her obviously like with the gm tips videos but making this a space for everyone where everyone can play and not yeah. feel and not like just look and go oh it's old white dudes there's no room for me um <laughs> so so that's awesome that, that she was able to do that for you specifically yeah um she's she's a gem i mean we um joshua my co-director for cnoon actually ran into her at a convention and she agreed to be a part of the book so um if you do go on our campaign on indiegogo uh she does our trailer for it and um she she'll also make an appearance in the book so oh that's very that. excited very exciting yeah <laughs> cool so uh so do you have a campaign going on right now are you are you playing are you dming yeah uh i dm and then uh my husband runs a game we kind of do on and off depending on who's more tired <laughs> <laughs> sure so, yeah um, I play as my uh, half orc wizard, and then I also dungeon master for uh, same group of people. We kind of rotate out. 
Yeah. What, what do you think, um, you, you said kind of learning, you were watching other people play online. Have you ever thought about the, the idea really probably the, the very likely possibility that people are going to be streaming games in your settings someday, like in the Isles of Sina Una? Yeah, actually, we've had a couple of people actually approach us and be like, would you want to Dungeon Master uh, asking me, both me and Joshua, and we're both like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but also like, that's really scary. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but it's really cool, you know, I think it'll be, I I really hope that it starts to feel more normal, because we've had a couple of people be like, are you sure I'm allowed to run this as somebody who's not Filipino? And we're like, yes, 100%, you know, because this is old mythology, like thousands of years old. And it's like, we want people to see it as the way that you run Greek mythology or Norse mythology in your games. Like just because some things happened in the past that, you know, weren't so pretty, it's still, we want to share it. We want it to feel normal. So I I would be really cool with seeing, you know, a headhunter player on somebody's show. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. That that's that's really cool. There's something really awesome about making a thing and putting it out into the world and sharing it with people. Um Yeah. And and especially in your case making literally a world that you get to let go and other people will get to inhabit and make their own. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's really cool to think about and that, you know, and the other thing, too, that we really wanted to do with it is like if you have a pre-existing world, you can kind of just put it in there if you want or you can have a whole campaign based around it, whatever you want to do. Like we really want people to use it how they want to use it, you know. Absolutely. And and looking on the looking on the campaign page, you guys have some really awesome looking Art. I assume that you've you've been able to go out and find some some pretty cool artists in the community to work with. Yeah, um, it started off with me putting out a, a Twitter post, actually, just asking if there were Filipino creators, uh, specifically writers and artists online. And I met a couple of people through that way, uh, and then most of the other ones we found through like uh, places like ArtStation or by searching. Um, because we have some like really stellar artists um, that we haven't necessarily announced yet, but they do some really, really nice work. So, And that's, again, one of the cool things about D&D, and I, th- I think especially the community right now is there's so much space for people with different interests and skills and gifts and abilities to kind of converge together and make one really cool thing, um, yeah. whether that's, you know, artists, players, DMs, you know, designers, dice makers, um, writers, you know, just everyone kind of putting their creative juices into the pot and making this really cool, unique thing. So it's cool to kind of just see that happening so much in the community right now. Yeah. And, you know, there was part of me that when we started off, I was kind of like, well, maybe we should have like a couple of artists who have a really similar art style so that it all feels consistent. But the more that I talked to people and the more people that reached out to me and was like, I'm so excited for this book. You make me feel like proud. I was like, I think it would be so cool to flip through the pages and feel like every 
single piece was from a different creator. And that was really important to me to be able to highlight so many amazing artists and all of them who were Filipino. Cause I was like, I'm so proud of all of you. (laughs) So it's, um, it's definitely still curated. Like, you know, we um, pick some of our favorites, but it's still really cool to have like so many different kinds of artists on in the book. So And that's very, if, if you, if you get really bored and, and get really into the, like the history of D and D like early on, um, and I say this only from having read some of those books about stuff that happened early on, but that was kind of similar to what, uh, they had all these different artists. And so it wasn't all one unified style initially. It was like, Oh, there's that person's art style and that person's art style. And you're getting to experience, you know, all these different looks, um, and it's, it's a cool thing, yeah, to flip through a book and see all these different kind of styles and, and visualizations of, of the game you're playing. Yeah, and I think that everybody kind of has an idea of what high fantasy art looks like in their heads, you know, and I do really gravitate towards that style. I, I really enjoy it. But also, you know, with kind of trying to diversify the mythology around D&D, I think it also kind of adds to that point to have such a team is Filipino, but all of their work is so diverse and feels so different. So it's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So this might be, you know, reaching way too far down the road, but have you thought at all about what you might hope would be next after you guys get this book out to you? Do you think it's a finish it and put it down and say, we're done. We did that. Or have you thought maybe there's something else after this in the same vein? Um, as far as um, the cultural significance <laughs> that Sina Una has, I probably won't do again myself. Uh, just because, you know, um, it's, it's kind of difficult to read some of the things that did happen in the Philippines because, you know, it, it can be really tragic um, and going through all of that and learning, you know, oh, well, this monster is really cool, but it's really deeply rooted in racism. And you're like, oh, well, maybe we don't put that in the book. Right. Yeah. Um, so that kind of stuff has been like a little draining on all of us, you know, to read about and to learn about. So I probably won't do anything of that significance again um just because i feel like once i've done this one that's enough for me (laughs) sure yeah um as far as uh, you know the people i mentioned earlier who want to do their own heritage i am so excited for when that does happen and i can shout about it from the rooftops and promote it on all my social media and help them in any way that i can socially but as far as like (laughs) being on another team and having to do all this research and everything again, I'm like, man, maybe I'll just put it down and be proud of it and then never think about doing another thing like that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing Um, nothing wrong with that at all, yeah. I'd love to do more books, um, but probably of my own homebrew kind of stuff that I come up with for fun instead of having to comb through all the history and do all that. (laughs) And since you will have at this, at that point have done it all before you, you will have, uh, you know, have done a lot of, uh, you know, trial by fire. So you'll be pretty well set to, to produce more of your own stuff down the road. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, you mentioned social media. Where all on social media can people come check out your work and interact with you? Uh, I am probably the most active on Twitter, which is just at Searsword. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram, which is at Searsword underscore. Because um, somebody had taken just plain Searsword. <laughs> Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. I'm not super active on there, but um, I do post occasionally. Uh, I'm also there as Searsword, um, but the O is a zero because Searsword underscore was taken. <laughs> so that's where you can find me online. And then Searsword.com has clickable buttons to all my links. And like I said, on, on her website, there are just really, really awesome looking dice. You have some cool dice bags. You've got a lot of badass looking pins. Um, so, you know, if you are like me and you are a bit of a dice goblin and need to get your fill, um, you all should go check this out because they are, they are awesome looking. They look really, really cool. Thank you. <laughs> and, and yeah, so thank you so much for, for talking, for sharing. I'm looking forward, um, to, to the book not just like you said, not just for the, the stuff to play, but for the history stuff that, you know, I certainly have, have no awareness of. I'm excited to learn that mythology and learn kind of like the history of, um, of the Philippines and the different, you know, the different things that you guys have done all the work to uncover. It's really exciting yeah. to, uh, to get to, <laughs> to experience that not that far away now at this point. Yeah. We're coming up quick. <laughs> Time goes by quickly. Well, thank you. Thank you again for joining. Thank you guys for listening. As we said at the beginning, if you are a Patreon supporter, stick around because after the music, we are going to talk about something that I will think up uh, before the music fades out. Um, but to my guest, Lucia, thank you so much for, for joining us and best of luck as you are working on all of this and, and putting all this energy into making an awesome, awesome product. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was super fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and guys, that Zone of Truth segment that is coming up in just a second is brought to you by my friends at Smuggler's Coffee, store.smugglerscoffee.com. If you want some awesome barrel-aged coffee, I mean, these beans sit in these like whiskey barrels for a year and then make the world's most delicious coffee. Are, are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So we'll, You have to be. Yeah, to, to keep you keep you driven. Well, we'll get you some of this coffee if you've not tried Smuggler's before. It is delicious. But thanks to them, uh, we are able to present this bonus segment with our guests each and every week. So big shout out to them, store.smugglerscoffee.com to check out their stuff. And don't forget, rollforpersuasion.com is where you can go to check out everything about the show. You can email the show, andrew at rollforpersuasion.com. You can support us at patreon.com slash rollforpersuasion. Follow our social media at rollpersuasion on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you guys so much for joining me each and every week. And until next time, enjoy your games. <laughs>